It's Monday, July 20th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Mark Reith, and joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser, and from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman. Gentlemen, happy Monday. Howdy. You have a good weekend? Uh-huh. Yeah, very good weekend. Yeah. How about you? Uh, not as good as a man behind the glass, Dan Boyd, who saw two and a half <laughs> baseball games All right. wow. over in that stadium. That's a, that's a packed was... weekend. That's good stuff. All right, we got plenty to talk about today, including earnings from Hasbro and Halliburton. But we begin with PayPal, which starts trading on the NASDAQ today under the ticker symbol PYPL. Jason, we touched on this last week on Thursday. The focus of that conversation, though, was more about eBay without PayPal. Right. Let's talk about PayPal without eBay. It just started trading today. It already has a bigger market cap than its parent company. How do you think today's going to go for PayPal? And more importantly, how are the next couple of days, by which I mean years, going to go for <laughs> PayPal? Well, yeah, I mean, we've talked about that spinoff in, in, in separating the two businesses. And eBay has, has done a very good job in the. Uh, you know, over over the over the course of the last few years, developing a very reputable brand in that e-commerce space, uh, not 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 as significant as Amazon to my mind, sure. but but I think still eBay is a, is a place where a lot of people uh, go, and and they'll continue to do well. I think the reason why PayPal is garnering probably more of the headlines here is because it's a more attractive growth opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's got a far Bigger uh, market opportunity, I think, you know, versus versus maybe what what eBay has, and then when you look at the growth rates, the estimates that are really coming out for these two businesses, I mean, we're talking about growth rates of somewhere between three and five percent revenue growth rates for uh, uh, pay for uh, eBay for mm-hmm. for the rest of the year here for 2015, versus you know somewhere in the neighborhood of 15, 16, 17 percent for PayPal, even potentially more, right. and and so I mean, when you think about sort of where Payments are going. You think about all of the different ways that PayPal can sort of participate in that. I mean, whether it's you know mobile or whether it's point of sale solutions, whatever it may be. Uh, remittance. I mean, we've talked a lot about how right. PayPal uh, you know just just acquired uh, Zoom, much to my chagrin. Yeah, I, I was not very happy that, about yes. that because yeah. I think I've, I've probably harped on that for a number of episodes now. <laughs> so I'm still begging for a competing bid out there. Anybody who's listening. <laughs> uh, but I mean, this is I mean, it's another global remittance. It's another very big market where they're obviously. Uh, you know, laying down a foundation there, and so on. I think when you look at this all together, PayPal has somewhere in the neighborhood of a sixty trillion dollar market opportunity out there to tackle, mm. and and so that's really exciting. And and when you look at the company's market cap today, its sales numbers today, it shows you that there's a long tail of growth here to come. And I think investors would be wise to really keep this one at the top of their watch list. Well, Taylor, that brings us to today. PayPal just started trading. Are you going to buy today, or are you going to wait and see and maybe see if those growth opportunities do emerge for PayPal? Yeah, I might wait to see if there is a competing bid for Zoom because yeah. I do think you know when you look at almost a billion dollars, about nine hundred million mm-hmm. for that deal. Um, I also think that it won't be the last because they're very liquid right now, over two billion in cash and cash equivalents, and less than four hundred million in long-term uh, liability. So. They're finally out from under the umbrella of, of eBay. It's their, it's their money now. Let's right. see if they can properly uh, put it to use. Wow, this is going to be one to watch. Yeah, and they've got a leader there, too. Dan Shulman, the guy. He has Absolutely. a background with American Express. So, this is someone who obviously knows the industry to a, to a pretty good extent and uh, has been able to, to play an integral role in sort of taking, uh, you know, going, going into sort of the, the digital age, so to speak. And so, I think that. Um, Anytime you have a leader who's able to think outside sort of the the traditional ways of of, of payments, uh, that that I think that just shows there are a lot of there's a lot of optionality out there for PayPal, a lot of options, a lot of different ways they can go. Absolutely. All right, let's move along to Halliburton, which reported earnings today. Uh, comps. Not so bad, but uh, this is a weird quarter, Taylor. Yeah. Uh, break it down for me. What happened with Halliburton? Well. The entire energy industry, as we're going to see this quarter, um, 
has very tough comps based on last year. Oil continued to rise into the summer last year, and um, and now you see it around sixty dollars a barrel right. or or less um, over the last few months. So um, they really didn't have a hope or a prayer of achieving <laughs> the same numbers as last year, but they did beat estimates um, because they've been cutting costs, and it appears that maybe some market share has been stolen in North America, which is their bread and butter. Um, over fifty percent of their business comes from North America, and um, they, they're estimates from there were beaten so maybe they are stealing market share from companies that just can't compete in a low-cost environment margins were down significantly but revenue was up so um, they are still making things happen and um, I think they'll emerge stronger because they are such a big player right so then I guess the question is does Halliburton turn things around or does Halliburton have to wait for the rest of the industry to turn things around yeah this is an industry thing um, you look at US production still going up so that's a good thing for Halliburton mm-hmm. people are still drilling um, but I imagine if prices stay low for any any longer um, I think that that business is going to start to pull back a little bit. I mean, I think we produced um, 290 million barrels a day in April, mm-hmm. up from 256 million barrels a day um, last year's April. So we are still providing the world with oil from the United States and North America, but they're going to need the industry to turn around before too long, um, especially with that Baker Hughes deal supposedly closing on December 1st or before. Right. Yeah. Uh, so then, what is an investor to do right now? Do they wait for the turnaround? Do they buy now that things are starting to look a little cheaper? Uh, what's What's your take on that? Um, I'm personally a shareholder. I haven't bought any more, but I also have not even thought twice about selling any of the shares that I own. Um, I do think long term, this is one of the premier companies if you look to profit from any kind of rebound in oil and gas prices outside of the riskier producers. Right. All right. Uh, let's move along to Hasbro, the maker of children's toys, games, Nerf guns, Monopoly, you name it. Uh, Hasbro probably makes it. The company had a pretty good quarter, Jason Moser. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, it was a very good quarter. I mean, you, whenever you see a company that beats on the sales side and beats on the earnings side, and then offers, uh, you know, a positive outlook for the rest of the year, I mean, the market is typically going to react um, positively to that as as it is today. And I think we've also seen uh, over the course of the past few quarters. Um, a lot of Hasbro's success has really come at the expense of Mattel, right? right. And Mattel has really, really had a tough go of it lately. Um, I mean, there were there were leadership issues there, there were culture issues there. They've seen some turnover there. Uh, they they lost to my mind was really one of the most important deals to their existence with Disney, yeah. and I still just can't to this day fathom why they don't pony up for that deal. They just seemed like they let it go to Hasbro. But hey, you know, hats off to Hasbro because this is going to really uh, work out well for them in the coming years. I'm talking about the Disney Frozen deal mm-hmm. in 2016. They're going to start, uh, you know, benefiting from from all all of those characters, that content. You know, they're going to be more Frozen films to come. I was just in the grocery store this weekend getting stuff. There's Frozen cereal. Now. Now. Of course, I couldn't there is. believe it. Like I'm <laughs> walking down the cereal aisle, and I look down here. I mean, I'm trying to make sure I'm looking at this correctly because I'm thinking maybe the box is backwards, mm-hmm. and it's like an ad yeah, on the back game or something. Nope, like that. it's Frozen cereal. <laughs> it's like Lucky Charms. Did you get you it? Know? Oh, of course. And absolutely. Well, I mean, it, it's like Lucky Charms. Right. So it's pretty good. My kids love it, and I kind of, you know, I had them going for a little bit. I said, I hear when you open the box, it actually sings to you, and they looked at me for just a second with some skepticism, but also even a little bit of hope. So mm. uh, maybe I'm a bad dad for doing that. Yep. And um, absolutely, but still. You know, I mean, that's. I, I think that you see Hasbro really scoring on all fronts. What they're doing, they unloaded 
um, they're unloading their manufacturing capability. Mm-hmm. Really, they're trying to sort of get out from underneath sort of that capital heavy side of the business. And I think that's a smart thing to do. Uh, this is going to give them a bit more sort of power with the balance sheet to become a bit more nimble on the cost side of the business and it, and it all plays into their strategy of really becoming a brand builder. Right. And so you'll see them focus on really, you know, getting those names out that we're familiar with. Uh, they're going to benefit from Jurassic Park. They're going to benefit from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, all the and, Marvel and, movies. Right. All of them are, so all of that helps offset any weakness that you might find in some other part of the business. Like like the girls' toys segment this this quarter was was brutal. I sure. think down twenty two percent. You know that was they attributed to to primarily interestingly a Furby. Mm-hmm. So maybe people are catching on as to how annoying this thing really actually is. <laughs> are there Furbies in the Moser household? Oh, there back? used to be. Ah, okay. <laughs> there aren't anymore. They're buried deep. <laughs> but deep I'll tell you, dog toys now. My daughters actually own shares of Hasbro, and they're feeling pretty good about this today, so I think we'll hang on to them. Well, a lot of the shareholders have to be feeling pretty good. Uh, Year-to-date, Hasbro shares are up 50%, something like that, and and today they're up another 5%. Uh, At what point do you think Hasbro is overvalued, or have we even reached that point? I mean, I, you know, valuation is so tricky. It's it's part art and part science, and I think everybody's going to have sort of their own opinion on it. And that really, all of that ultimately depends on where you stand as an investor. If you're a value investor who's trying to nail that that intrinsic value and, and sell. You know that that's not what we do, right. really. Over an MDP, we're typically looking for businesses that we can buy and hang on to for a long time to come. And that was the strategy, honestly, when my daughters decided they wanted to buy these shares. Was they're just going to buy them? And they're going to hold them really for probably the next decade at oh, least. Yeah. Um, and so from this from this perspective here, I mean, they've obviously got leadership that's on the ball here. They are good capital allocators. They're returning capital to shareholders, and uh, and I think that that's going to continue as long as the story doesn't fundamentally change. I don't see any reason to unload these shares ever. There you go. All right, let's wrap things up by talking. Talking about Etsy, which is a pretty interesting story. Late last week, Etsy shares saw their biggest one-day gain ever, thanks to a comment from, of all people, Google's chief business officer, Omid Kordistani. Uh, during Google's conference call, he mentioned that Etsy is one of the beneficiaries of Google's new focus on deep linking, mm-hmm. which is basically a fancy way of saying Google is driving more traffic to Etsy because Etsy is playing ball with Google's new methods. Uh, shares shot up. Shares of Etsy shot up 37% at one point on Friday, which is just nuts to me, Taylor. How does a simple off-the-cuff comment during Google's call mm-hmm. boost Etsy's stock so much? Um, well, from what I could read, it was a little bit of uh, a yes. This is a, a web-based company, um, mm-hmm. so you, you obviously want an increase in traffic. And I like the fact that their developers were ahead of the curve sure. rather than behind it. They got up in front of this, and obviously, Google is the largest provider of online advertising. So, if you can get get in bed with them a little bit better before your competitors, why not? But then, after that initial uptick, a lot of people were saying short sellers were being squeezed. Over about 10% of the shares were sold short. So, I think that was maybe the extra 15 to 20 to 37% boost <laughs> coming from the short sellers. Because um, I don't know if this is going to be a long-lived enough advantage to really mean a 40% upside. Right, and that's the question, Jason. Obviously, this helps SE to some extent, but even with last week's spike, shares of the Craft Goods site are down over 30% since it premiered on the market back in April. How does Etsy can Etsy turn things around, even if Google's not helping them? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've had some questions regard to Etsy just as as, as it went public. You know, looking at it from the valuation side, looking at it from the the market opportunity side, I, I don't question leadership there really. I think they they sort of have an idea of what they're trying to build. Uh, but I mean, it, it was it was fascinating to me to see the actual quote that moved this stock. It finished up thirty percent on the day Etsy did, mm-hmm. based on 
quote, developers like Etsy are already seeing a boost in traffic as a result of deep linking, end quote. Right. That little sentence right it. there is what moved that stock that much. And, and it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, I guess... You know, we know that Etsy is very dependent on Google for search for traffic, right. as as many are, um, and so perhaps they think because Etsy is is the name that's being mentioned that that means Etsy is is really witnessing a, a big boost there. We'll find out more obviously when Etsy reports. But I mean, to see you know the short interest in the stock, I mean that's always something that comes into play here. To see the stock selling back off a little bit today, I think is is no surprise either. It's just I think this is a real testament to to show sort of the hype and the short term thinking that goes on in the market day to day, and and why we don't play that because it's impossible to predict. You can't time it. Um, so you know, find great businesses and just you know buy them at reasonable. Price points and just look forward to holding on to them for a long period of time. And you, you, you know, all you have to do then is you, you can talk about this stuff like we are, and you don't have to worry about it. Right, <laughs> that makes sense. You guys ever sold anything on Etsy or bought anything on Etsy? Any craft goods from you? I purchased Muffin? one thing. Oh yeah, Etsy. yeah. It oh. was just a uh, a piece of wood to sit on top of the bathtub and hold <laughs> holds things on top of it. Wow, good, yeah. really exciting, really exciting. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Mm. I yeah, I, I I think my wife has. I never have. Um, I don't know that I ever will, but you know, anything, you know, and I, I, I haven't even. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going with, with eBay. I've never I even done, I've never bought. I've never bought anything off eBay either. Okay, which I just never? did always ever never. never. I well, couldn't because you talk about it all the time, Jason. Well, I know, I mean, but you know, I, I just I, I always I guess I've always seen eBay as sort of the place where people are selling collectibles or things that are used mm-hmm. in sort of that auction market versus something new. I mean, if I'm ever buying anything new, I'm always getting from Amazon, and I guess I'm just not really a big collector of things other than stocks. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, just have never, I guess, had the reason to go to eBay, but my, my interest has peaked, man. I was talking to Matty Argersinger uh, on Friday during the radio show, and it, it sounds like I need to at least go check it out. Get over there, man. Yeah. All right, Taylor Muckerman, Jason Moser, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. you. Got it, Mark. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd with help from Jane and Nick Don Vito. I'm Mark Reef. Thanks for listening. See you